guess what? Jeep is looking for a new spokesmodel. We'll have the details about what it's going to take and how to enter. And did you know that what you learn off-road can come into play in your everyday life? We'll have a story that will open your eyes. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you in part by Quadratech.com. Quadratech has delivered quality products and expert advice to Jeep enthusiasts around the world for more than 30 years. All the top brands at the best prices. Visit Quadratech.com to satisfy your Jeep needs today. The JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in or getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show's for you. Find uh, more information about the show at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, I'm Josh, and don't you just hate it when your Jeep starts making a new noise? Oh, God. Oh, yes. (laughs) And howdy, it's Wendy. And why do people have to be so mean? Is it? Because they don't own or drive a Jeep? It's hmm. kind of fun, actually. So, I don't know. That yeah. might be part of it. <laughs> Hello, I'm tired. Uh, also known as Tony. I haven't changed a clutch in 40 years, but I did it again this week. Oh, boy. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, say goodbye to the Grand Cherokee as you now know it. Goodbye. The current generation. The current generation Jeep Grand Cherokee, or WK2, will continue for one more year as the automaker continues to prepare a pair of successors. Jeep is planning on sending off the large SUV with a unique 80th anniversary edition model. This continues the trend the automaker set in 2016 with the Grand Cherokee 75th anniversary edition model. So what is going to make this so special, one might ask? Well, Jeep is going to start with the Grand's top-of-the-line limited trim and then build and improve from there. Currently, there are no specifics exactly as to what the package will actually offer, though Jeep has been playing things pretty close to the vest this year. However, if we look back at the last Grand Cherokee Anniversary Edition model as an example, we can expect things like some things like, I don't know, a unique front fascia and grille. Perhaps Jeep will reuse the, the low-gloss bronze accents like they did before or introduce an all-new exclusive seat package or badging. Who knows? That will likely be the least of it. If we know Jeep anyways, they'll probably tack on a whole bunch of other stuff. Whatever trim or luxury upgrades are in store for the 80th Anniversary Edition model, you can be sure they will impress. But from what I can tell so far, don't expect anything too crazy like a 707 Hellcat horsepower upgrade. I probably That's not going to happen. The new Anniversary Edition model will join the Grand Cherokee's other core trims like the Trailhawk, Overland, and of course the Summit along with the rest of the lineup. The next model year will also see the SUV getting a redesign. The entry-level Laredo trim will have new 18-inch wheels, for example. The Limited and Limited X models will receive a new sun and sound package that includes a dual-pane panoramic sunroof and a nine-speaker Alpine audio system capable of off-road camera upgrades while using Alpine's off-road line of electronics and audio accessories already available. When the next-generation Jeep Grand Cherokee does arrive, it'll also feature two- and three-row interior layouts, allowing the model to compete against the Ford Explorer and other large SUVs. 
Powertrain details remain anybody's guess, but interested buyers should expect some hybridization options very soon, if not right away. Initially, we thought we'd see the new Grand Cherokee for the 2021 model year, though Jeep canceled the Detroit Auto Show reveal and has yet to announce the reschedule date. So, thanks for that too, COVID. <gasps> so, I have, uh, and, and I don't think this is a secret, I've never been a, uh, a Grand Cherokee fan, if for no other reason than it causes uh, that, that mandatory question at the auto parts place. Uh, I need a starter for a, a 1998 Jeep Cherokee. Is it a grand? Did I say it was a grand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then th- it's like uh, I need a, a <laughs> I need a starter for a 1998 Cherokee, not a grand Cherokee. Is it a oh, grand? <laughs> they still, still ask. ask. There must have been like an entire generation of people that that like you know when they walk in the parts stores or whatever they re- just refer to their Jeep as a Cherokee. Even oh, absolutely! Though it is a Grand Cherokee. They just they're too lazy to to say the one word in front of it. You know the qualifier, the the title. I don't, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, no, there must have been. I, I, no, I know that's why they ask is because they've they've been they've gone back and got the part and came back and then the person takes it home and then comes back all pissed off. And they just it doesn't fit. It's like, <laughs> like three missing bolts for it. I don't know. <laughs> so, but anyway, but anyway, I'm surprised at this. Uh, it, uh, well, the Cherokee has been gone for a long time, and well, as we know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we know it, kind of like this. So, I'm I'm really surprised that the Grand has taken this long to disappear at least as we well, know i it. mean you know jeep would go as long as 10 years um without without a massive redesign and i i don't think this is going to be a massive redesign there's going to be some some um some subtle uh uh design cues that are going to be going to be changed a little bit some lines are going to be changed but the grand is going to remain the grand for the most part remember jeep's got two bigger suvs coming out um the grand the the grand wagoneers are they're, they're going to be coming out the wagoneer and the grand wagoneer uh, both going to be coming out uh, here next year or the year after. And and so th- I, I think Jeep is going to be a little hesitant to do any major redesigns right now, um, especially to something like the Grand Cherokee, which has been, um, I mean, an award winner and, and a big, you know, uh, a big, you know, money bank for, for, Grand, or for, for Jeep rather, uh, just because the line does sell at a higher price point. So um, I don't think it's going to anything, we're going to see anything drastic coming up for, for the Grand Cherokee. And I don't see it going away altogether either. That's going to be something that's going to stay in their lineup for, for years to come. Wendy, uh, you guys have never done a, uh, a Cherokee Grand or otherwise, have you? No. Yeah, I didn't nope. think so. Um, I think the no. Grand Cherokees are pretty cool, especially the ones with the, the Hellcat engines, uh, you know, the, the Trackhawks, uh, but oh, sure. not, not an off-road vehicle, just... Uh, a go fast. Brick. I disagree. I, I disagree. Now, I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're, everything has you know a line in the sand, and 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 uh, I think the Grand Cherokees up to a certain point and up to a certain model year are are capable, are very capable off road rigs. Um, and and I mean that being said, I mean there's there's a lot of guys that are overlanding with these things, and there's a ton of aftermarket support even for the WK. So um, I mean four link suspension, front and rear, V eight power. Capable of of you know electric lockers, you know, you, you know a whole bunch of armor as well. How long now you got the, luxury uh, on top of it? How long know? has so, the Trackhawk package been around? I thought that was recent because that's the, the the Grand Cherokees I'm talking about, or the the ones that have only been out the last three or four years. Well, Grand Cherokees have been out since '94. No, right, right. I, but I said so specifically, line, I said the Trackhawk line that has never gone away. 
And, and so, though they've had various, you know, trims and all that sort of stuff, I, I don't know the exact release date of when the track. No, but, 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 but I'm saying it's but, the recent the recent Grand Cherokees that I think are not trail uh, trail rigs. They are meant to go be go fast on the road, especially the the Trackhawk versions. Uh, well, so, especially those, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's and, that's what I'm referring to. I'm not saying anything about the ZJs and the you know the stuff that was around the time of our XJs. I've certainly seen those built up. Not my sort of thing. Uh, the, if it has a 4.0 in it, uh, and you change out the transfer case, well, now you're talking. Now you're starting to talk something oh, that's okay. more like the Cherokee, right. you know, the 231, <laughs> and not that uh, what was it, 249 that was. Uh, uh, oh, you know, that was a, no yeah, the all-wheel drive transfer case. That yeah, was a, and the yeah. aluminum housing uh, Dana 44s that they had that were not very good either. So uh, the Cherokee had a lot of good, uh, solid stuff on it. I mean, even the Dana 30, as weak as it was, was still better than, I think, than that aluminum housing Dana 44 that was on the Grands. So, yeah, yeah there's there's some good stuff. And then the nice thing is, is that a lot of the stuff that was on the Cherokee, you could you know move over to the Grand Cherokee, the earlier models, and those were... Uh, good off-road rigs. I just didn't care for the V8. Uh, the the V8 just had to me had issues uh, when it's compared to the 4.0. But anyway, it's it's. Uh, I don't mean to get into big uh, Grand Cherokee discussion. Uh, I've just never been no, a big fan of. Bring that bell. You started this shit. <laughs> That's right. Oh, where, where is that? <laughs> I think I took it off. We haven't used it in so long. Oh man, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's wait, wait. one of those. Di- Ah, there it is. That, that's one Time's of those up. Move on. We should. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Wendy's going to, we've had enough. We got to move. Sorry, Josh. Time's up. <laughs> we should have, we should have that discussion. One of these. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Be bring the zoom people in on that one. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, oh, let's, let's be move good, along. That would be a good campfire side chat uh, between yeah. the grand yeah. Cherokee and the Cherokees. Yep. Heck yeah. I like it. Well, let's get to something that I think everybody loves, and that's man's best friend. And, you know, so if you have a dog, do you have the Jeep dog, you know? There's a lot of things in this world that just seem to go together better than anything else. Peanut butter and jelly, music and sunshine, dirt and rubber, Jeeps and dogs, my hand and a winning lottery ticket. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, maybe that last one is more wishful thinking than anything. But seriously, dogs love Jeeps. Maybe it's the open air or that Jeep owners seem to go outdoors more. Or maybe it's just the dogs smell a superior vehicle. I, I don't know. Maybe, I, it's, maybe it's that I've never seen an unhappy dog in a Jeep. Uh, well, now your Jeep-loving pooch has the chance to be the official canine representative for the Jeep brand. Fans can post pics of their pups with hashtag JeepTopCanine on Instagram and Twitter, or upload an image to jeeptopcanine.com until Monday, August 3rd. Dog lover or not, any Jeep-loving individual can also visit jeeptopcanine.com at any time to check out all the good boys and girls. Voting for the eight possible finalists will be open from August 11th through the 18th, so make sure to go back and visit again to cast your vote for the winner then. Jeep's 2020 Top K9 will be crowned on National Dog Day, Wednesday, August 26, 2020. The most Jeepiest pup will be crowned the Jeep's brand's top dog and will be featured in exclusive Jeep brand social media content for one year. That's right, your Jeep doggy is about to become a world-famous icon. For more information on the uh, hashtag JeepTopK9 search, visit JeepTopK9.com. This is so exciting. I already posted this on my Instagram because I think it's really exciting. We're going to get some pictures of our dog in the Jeep. And, oh, that's awesome. Our, uh, keep us posted. Cool. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you, you end up as one of the finalists. I think that'd be pretty uh, neat. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be cool? Be able to push that out there and have people take a look at that. But I just oh, think it's a neat 
neat contest. Get a, shame, get a shameless plug in for the show during one of those social media. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking so for sure. <laughs> so it's not that I'm not a, a dog lover because I, I absolutely love dogs. Any dog. It just I, if, if I meet you for the first time and you have a dog, you're getting no attention for the first five minutes. It's all going to be at the dog. Mm-hmm. But I want to know who is it that is in charge of naming these days? I mean, do you have to be a, a government official or do pe- can you just anybody? I, I mean, I wouldn't mind having a, a Jeep talk show day because I think that would be, you know, be good too. I mean, where do you, where do you go to get these days, uh, you know, put under the calendar? I think you just start it. I think so. <laughs> I don't think there's a damn thing official about it. You have to be the, the fourth largest automaker in the in the world, uh, first and foremost. I think you, you can just start creating <laughs> things at that point and, and everybody will just follow along. <laughs> Well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we do want to hear what you have to say. And let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got Harry Llewellyn from Coyote Enterprises. They are the company who makes, uh, you know, be- uh, the boltless beadlock system and, and some really cool tire deflators as well. We're going to be talking to him in just a little bit. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, if you haven't been over to the 4x4 Radio Network site in a while, well, go check it out again. We've got a ton of great audio there, a ton of great shows as well, on the Trail Podcast, Trail Chaser, Center Steer Podcast. The 4x4 Podcast is there. We're there as well. It's all for free. It's all in one spot, whether you're a Jeep owner or, well, you're into the other stuff too. we got something for everybody at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, and coming up in Tech Talk, we're going to clear things up in a confusing word of headlight restoration. Word or world? That's supposed to be world. I can't freaking type today. And the, and, <laughs> and, and the sad thing is, the spelling checker is not going to tell you anything about it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually read it right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. That's pretty funny. Coming up in Tech Talk... We're going to clear things up in a confusing world of headlight restoration. I'll see what you did there. Well, is it true, Tony? We actually got some feedback from our listeners this last week or so. We've got, we, uh, we got some reviews on deck, don't we? We haven't. I haven't seen any uh, new reviews in quite a long time. And I had a few extra minutes uh, before the uh, show tonight. So I thought I'd go over and check uh, Apple uh, and see uh, on their, uh, their reviews if we had any. And we had uh, at least three that I hadn't seen. And this is a very recent one. Uh, Wendy, tell us about it. Well, this is from Goob6008. This was on July 10th. And this review says, uh, love Jeeps, hate the podcast. We used to like this podcast more, (laughs) but it's unlistenable now. Because Josh just rants about politics. (laughs) (laughs) Jeeps are my escape from that, he, he says. And, and he also says that Josh uses the word retarded all the time. As someone who is a close family member to someone with a mental disability, I have had to see them get picked on and have their feelings destroyed their entire life. Now, it's not about political correctness. It's just about not being mean, dude. <laughs> Throw the F up. <laughs> By the way, this person, he says, loves Jeeps, and I always try to include them in the community. I seriously like all the other hosts. It's not Josh. They seem like decent people. Tony's questionable, though. Ha ha. And Nikki G is really the only thing keeping us on the rails. Well, thank oh, goodness no. for Nikki G. 
Ah, oh, way to go, Nikki G, for holding us together with the glue. Oh, did you mention it was a one? Nikki G, did, you're our only hope. <laughs> did you mention it was a one-star review, Wendy? I didn't. Oh, I. Didn't, I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> no, I forgot to mention that one star. We really appreciate those one stars. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, well, actually, we love hearing the criticism. It, it it's, yeah, you know, it, getting the five stars is wonderful, and you know, hearing you're doing a great job is is always nice, but it doesn't help the show. So. We love uh, having these things. And, and what is it, Josh? It doesn't matter what you have to say. We're going to use it on the show. We're going to share That's it with right. the audience. <laughs> That's right. We'd love to even, share. Even if it makes Tony feel better with my misery. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he said I'm questionable. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to hear your review on our show, go ahead and call it in. We'll probably share it. Absolutely. <laughs> of course, anywhere where you can find our show, you can find a means to review us, uh, whether it's even on YouTube or Facebook, you can leave something for us. Uh, and of course, uh, on Stitcher Radio, uh, iTunes, of, of course, is our number one place where you guys can leave a review for the show. Uh, those get to us the fastest and the easiest. And, uh, and of course, as you know, we always read them on the show. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now. And I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit. <laughs> you, 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 you. Jeep Mama drives over the mountains. Now Josh drives over the rocks. While Wendy drives over the trail gates. And Tony drives over the road. Tony drives. Tony drives. Tony drives over the road. The road. Tony drives. Tony drives. Tony drives over the road. Jeep Mama takes her Jeep on adventures, and Wendy takes her Jeep to guide trails. Now Josh takes his Jeep to go camping, while Tony takes his Jeep to work. Tony takes, Tony takes, Tony takes his Jeep to work, to work. Tony takes, Tony takes, Tony takes his Jeep to work. Jeep Mama and Josh and Wendy have modified Jeeps to have fun. And Tony has modified his Jeep, only to never see dirt. Tony's Jeep, Tony's Jeep, Tony's Jeep never sees dirt, sees dirt. Tony's Not Jeep, funny. Tony's Jeep, Tony's Jeep never sees dirt. Nikki G, he drives an XJ. Josh and Tony drive one too. Can you guess whose rig stays? <clears throat> two of these rigs go off-road. <laughs> Can you guess whose rig stays on? Tony's Jeep. Tony's Jeep. Tony's Jeep stays on road. On road. Tony's Jeep. Tony's Jeep. Tony's Jeep stays on road. He needs to go off to some sort of off-road boot camp. What do you think? But that'll mean he'll get dirt in his rims. I think red Jeeps will melt when they go off-road, don't you? Tony, drop and give me 20 miles. Is there, is there more? That's it. For another verse. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. It's too damn funny. I think next week. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> oh, Tony, you're not getting picked on too much. That's it. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. 
You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Well, speaking of songs, I can see clearly now. That- <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for doing things inexpensively as possible without compromising the quality and uh, quality of the end product. We're going full redneck in the process. But one of the things that I can keep seeing or, or hearing uh, getting thrown around is bad advice for headlight restoration. Toothpaste is not a good idea, people. Neither is chocolate or peanut butter or anything else that you grab from the kitchen or bathroom from that matter. And here's why. Toothpaste is just a paste that contains a fine abrasive, which is usually just pumice, designed to help scour plaque and food off of your chompers. This means that toothpaste should hone, grind, and polish all the crap and road grind from the surface of your headlights that are all faded and old-looking and plastic too, right? Well, yes and no. Although on paper, the science tells us this will work, in reality, all you're doing is adding a million micro scratches to the lens, which over time will add to the yellowing, will attract dirt and debris and grime and stuff, will actually attract and hold water instead of repelling it. Not every Jeeper has to worry about this, though, and in fact, most Wrangler owners are probably laughing and putting their feet up as they hit the fast forward button. But for other Jeep owners and all those Wrangler owners who have other cars in the driveway, this may be of some importance and use. Just about every automotive wax and polish company this side of Jupiter is manufacturing, marketing, and selling headlight restoration or polishing kits of some kind or another. And the reason why is there is a huge demand for these products, and there are a lot of people out there who try and skimp out by using beauty products in an automotive application and are having to fix the results. Now, getting back to the science of this, toothpaste may have the grit to knock down oxidation buildup or road grime, but it is lacking the polymers and UV shields that these other products have in them. And although some of the more extreme restoration kits will actually have a one or two or three stage polishing compound in their kit, it's these final stages and a polymer filler and coating at the end that smooths out all these millions of micro scratches into a smooth, clean, water repellent surface. Toothpaste can only go so far and will have you working a lot harder to undo what you've done to get the lens back to as clear as it was the day that it was made. Not all products are created equal, though, and in my experience, the ones that are simply a wet sponge and a tinfoil packet don't work for crap. These simply have a mild acid in them that melts the micro-imperfections on the surface of the plastic and leaves a pseudo-layer of protective film behind that will not last past a couple of washes, let alone the entire season. In the end, I can't recommend any one single product for any and every single headlight out there. The level of oxidation, the amount of UV damage, and what sort of road grime and other buildup that is on the lens is going to vary way too much from region to region. I will say this though, you probably can't go wrong with either the Sylvania brand headlight restoration kit or the 3M brand headlight lens restoration system. Both of these have a long lasting reputation in various automotive circles for products that plain and simply work and results that last. And if that's not enough for you, Consumer Reports recommended both these products over all others in 2016, 17, and 18, and they usually don't get stuff wrong. Here's the bottom line. If it's ease of use is what they are marketing, it's not going to work as good. And the results aren't going to last as long as a product that requires a little bit of elbow grease. Hmm. Good God, I hate plastic headlights. Um, I think yeah. we had a Honda that got real yellow and it's just oh, they dangerous. It, you can't see that they, the, the lights weren't that bright to start with. And now you, you have to go through all this yellow uh, and fog uh, it's it's just you know I guess it's just insanely expensive to make glass lenses and perhaps the problem is is that they're they'll break too easy 
or, or uh, you know, get a crack or something in them uh, because they're right there on the, the nose of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, my God, it's just that yellowing is just so frustrating. Uh, on the bright side, uh, no pun intended, uh, the, <laughs> the aftermarket uh, loves it because, you know, they can sell these trinkets and bells that you have to – all these stuff that you can do to, to, to make it uh, clear, which doesn't ever work. Uh, not really. And uh, then you can always buy replacements, which is, uh, I, th- I think, the way a lot of people go. Yeah, yeah, ultimately. I mean, uh, if, if the damage is severe, there's going to be only so much that you're going to be able to, to, you know, reverse, in other words. Um, and, and so, I mean, if, it, if it's looking like yellow snow, um, the chances are it's probably, it's probably going to be in the, in the, in the window of uh, needing to be replaced. Um, but a lot of these products are under the $30 mark. And, and so if it's, you know, if it's worth 20 or 30 bucks to you uh, to, you know, go out on an, an evening or, you know, early morning or something like that, you don't use this stuff in the middle of the, uh, middle of the day when it's super hot and then the, 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 the surfaces are all hot and stuff. Um, but, you know, you, in the evening and you spend, you know, 45 minutes or an hour, you know, going through the going through everything. Uh, and in the, in the end, you might be able to save yourself a few hundred bucks, um, depending on whether or not, you know, the damage is so severe. So um, do some research, look at some of the products, look at their websites. They'll probably be able to even help you out uh, to judge whether or not the damage is too severe for their product to work as well as you're expecting or hoping that it will. So uh, good luck and I hope this helps. Tangent alert. Uh, You said yellow snow. And uh, I shouldn't have. And I, knew it. It. I thought he wasn't going to catch that. <laughs> and the uh, words came out of way, my mouth immediately. I regretted it. Way back in 1974. Here okay. in the Houston area, we got five inches of snow. We were wow, really? just so damned excited, mm-hmm. and uh, we were listening it to shut everything. Down. It did. It did. It just, it uh, came to a screeching halt. We were listening to talk radio uh, in the morning, and they were just. It was all about the snow. It was the blah 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 blah. And they said you could actually make ice cream out of the snow. And one of the other DJs said, "But don't use yellow snow. <laughs> if you're making ice cream." Make sure the, 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 the snow isn't yellow. And, you know, Houston, nobody understands that. Oh, no. So a lady called in and was asking so them, the why snow? can't you I, use yellow that? snow? No, she did not. <laughs> she did. And they were losing their shit. They, just, they were laughing. And, you know, because oh, they were from up north or something. Oh, they, yeah. No, because, yeah, it's a Minnesota transplant. The guy who's in yeah, the radio yeah. market for all these six moving months. Around. And he's, oh, hey, my it's just, gosh. Yeah, it's it was hilarious, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yellow snow, and I thought, I don't know if they, if my mom told me or if they finally gave it up or something, but it was hilarious. It was just one of those things. It's kind of like that uh, the Henway joke, you know. It's just one of those classic mm. things that happens, and you you don't plan for it. So it was really funny. Anyway, you said yellow snow, and it immediately uh, had a flashback to that moment in my life. That's a classic story. Wow. At least it was. That way and not that's what yeah, they got me to put, eat a whole bunch of this yellow snow one yeah. time. <laughs> well, to me, that just means there's extra vanilla extract in it. It's, it it's been, delicious. It's been processed, kind of like those cats do the, the coffee beans. Yeah. Oh Magically delicious. Well, if you have anything to add to this conversation, <laughs> please. please. God, I hope you do. Uh, maybe you have a question for Tech Talking. Boy, that would sure be a lifesaver. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Help. I've fallen and I can't get up. Has this ever happened to you? You've fallen and you can't get up. Oh, God. Can you please call 911? Shut up, old woman. I'm working here. <clears throat> now you can make your long wait, perhaps your last one, better by listening to the Jeep Talk Show past catalog of shows. Oh, please. Please. 
Help me. Look, Grandma, there's 24 hours in a day. That's 24 past Jeep Talk Show episodes you can listen to. Now shut up, press that play button, and enjoy those ice chips I gave you. Please, help me. The Jeep Talk Show. We care about our listeners. <laughs> WeatherTech founded over 30 years ago to provide Jeep enthusiasts with the best products and best prices. And today, it's the world's largest independent retailer of Jeep parts and accessories. Whether you own a Willys, Wrangler, Cherokee, or anything in between, Quadratech has what you need for whatever you drive, with more products than you'll find anywhere else at the best value. Quadratech is your number one resource for everything Jeep. Visit Quadratech.com today. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And tonight we're going to be talking to Harry over at Coyote Enterprises. Uh, I was just having a hell of a time saying that. I had to have Harry correct me. I don't know why. I can't, well, I can't pronounce Coyote. I've been watching the Coyote and Roadrunner for years, Harry. I should be able to remember that one easy enough. Yeah, I, bet I can understand, Tony. Uh, <laughs> quite frankly, just uh, say it cowboy way, coyote. Uh, coyote, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Harry, uh, Steve, our, our our buddy Steve, 4.3 LXJ from uh, XJ Talk, and uh, uh, actually does some contributor segments here for the show, or have has done in the past, turned us on to you, and uh, specifically you and this uh, this company, and uh, about getting you guys here on the Jeep Talk Show, and I'm really glad you were able to do it for us. Now, you've you've done this before. I think you've been on the, uh, another uh, another podcast. Uh, let's see, what was it? It was, I know I saw it, the Off-Road Podcast. I think it was uh, Ben over there at the Off-Road Podcast, so you spoke with him on the Firearms Radio Network. Yes, exactly. Excellent. So um, you guys have uh, two products. You have bead locks, and what was the other one? Automatic tire deflators. Oh yeah, everybody's got to have those things. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the bead locks first. What what's the deal with the bead locks? Now I've heard of the Ston, uh, and I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, bead locks. Uh, how how are how is the Coyote Enterprise bead locks uh, different from those or or similar? The um, the Coyotes are virtually an evolution of the Stons. I was approached at the uh, We'll back up on that story. I lectured at 31 colleges throughout Southern California for about 15 years. I published a newsletter. I would review products. Don of Australia approached me when they came out with their automatic tire deflators to do an article. I did an article, good product. And then when they decided to um, come out with a beadlock, they did the same. They had me um, test it and so on. Um, they were happy with what I wrote up, and I, by gosh, call a spade a spade. And if they had not worked, you would have gotten that in my article. But they did work very well. And um, so they asked me to be their importer. They formed Ston USA and um, gave me 30% of the uh, corporation for no money in, so can't pass that deal up. <laughs> wow, right? that's nice. <laughs> <clears throat> So what happened was, long story short, about 2010, they went broke. And um, I won't dwell on either the engineering or financial reasons, but um, I saw they had a good product. I'd been struggling with them since 2005. 
Well, actually, 2002 with the deflators, 2005, they came out with the beadlocks, and um, they didn't seem to listen to ideas I had about changing and improving the product, and they went broke. Um, I had a decision, make them, um, find somebody else to make them, give them up, or start making them myself. I chose to make, make them myself. I spent about, spent about two years improving the design and uh, overcoming the two main problems, which were the air channel and the tubes, the pop tubes. And um, today we have the Coyote Beadlock. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that. Well, first off, let's make sure that uh, people understand w- what these beadlocks are. There, it's basically something that goes on the inside of the tire between the tire and the wheel, and keeps the the wheel from spinning uh, or the tire from spinning. For well, I guess it is the the wheel keeps the wheel from spinning uh, when you're aired down, uh, and the tire just can't really grip the sides of the wheel sufficiently. So this lets you uh, air down quite a bit. Correct. Yeah, you've you've got it exactly right. I call it a dual internal pneumatic boltless beadlock. That's a five-word way of saying a tire within a tire to make it real easy. And that's all it basically is. The difference in it and like NASCAR innerliners is NASCAR wants to be right up against the inside of that outside tire bead because when they go flat at 200 miles an hour, you don't want air down. (laughs) And so the uh, coyotes and all uh, internal beadlocks um, give you air down space for going off road, and um, that uh, that's the real powerful feature of them. But they actually have um, several other features that are a, a real advantage. Um, they lock both tire beads. They can be used on any rim. You just drill an extra hole for the inner tube. This is the thing that holds the air in the mini tire, the beadlock. Uh, case and um, can go on any kind of rim, beadlock rim, standard rim, uh, split rims, or whatever. And so they're quite versatile. The most powerful thing they do is they present, for, particularly for like hammer racers, ultra four classes, and so on, they present a three inch high, 40 psi tire and rim saving bump stop. So when you hit something, you're aired down to seven, so you can make it through the rough stuff. You get out on the open desert, and you're going 100, and you hit a buried rock. It goes through that seven PSI pretty fast, right up to the rim. With the 40 PSI beadlock, it saves the day and um, helps prevent rim and tire damage. So, uh, just looking here at the at the site, and that's uh, uh, coyoteents.com. So, Coyote Enterprise, uh, but that's coyoteents.com. You can you can go there now while you're listening here to the uh, to this interview. Uh, looking at your site, it says uh, fits uh, 14 through let's see, 14, 15, 16, yeah, uh, 14 through 17 inch uh, rims. So you you don't uh, you don't support the twenty twos or the the twenty four inch rims uh, over there <laughs> at all, Harry? Not yet, not yet. Uh, and, and it's kind of a tale of woo. Um, Ston had twenty inch beadlocks. Wow! And do I get lots of interest for eighteens and nineteens? Also, nineteen is a forest service size, and I'd love to be doing something there. Long story short, I cannot get the webbing 
as strong as I want, as wide as I want for those bigger um, beadlocks, the, the 19, 18, 19s, and 20s. So as of right now, I'm holding off, and I limit it to 17. But if you go on my website and go in our e- uh, enter your email, you can um, be on notice for when I finally get them coming around. The problem is the the tread of the beadlock is like a yank strap, a snatch em strap, a pull em strap, whatever you call it, only it's wider and it's actually uh, stronger. And um, so the, 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 the mills only make it up to about eight inches wide. I need it wider. Mm-hmm. So you said something kind of interesting. You said that you could use these things with beadlocks. I mean, uh, I would assume you mean like uh, the beadlocks that most of us are familiar with, the the wheel beadlocks, the ones that have the 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 outer uh, metal ring that bolt to the uh, the bead of the tire. So uh, would that be an, an unusual setup to have both uh, uh, the well, I don't want to say mechanical, but let's say the external and the internal beadlocks, or is that this for the for the guy that wears suspenders and a belt? Um, it's for him and others that find out <laughs> they need them. So, oh, that's interesting. Um, so would that yeah, be an extreme it, it works, situation? It works on both, and there's a hell of an advantage to the uh, using a beadlock rim. For standard rims, you more or less either have to be very tire smart, very strong, combination of those things, or have access to a tire machine to change the tire. So when it comes to installing these things, you probably got to go out to a shop if you have standard rims. If you've got beadlock rims, it's a cinch. As, as you know, if you've ever done one, you just kind of muscle it over the outer bead. You muscle the inside tire bead over the outer bead. It sets down against the uh, inside uh, bead. And then you do what you need to do on the outside and bolt the thing together. And it, with that ease of... Um, setting the last bead, it's it's a no-brainer to put them on. And that's not quite true. I'm exaggerating there. It does take a learning process to put them on. It's not like, um, you know, it's not like it's uh, rocket surgery, but it's definitely you ought to read the instructions. Now, uh, I noticed that your site says that these are not DOT approved. Uh, so uh, is this something that you would only use for off-road vehicles or do people just uh, use them anyway and uh, uh, take their chances with uh, with <laughs> the state police? <laughs> Actually, the DOT approved is a bit of a no- misnomer that's uh, presented by a lot of people. It There's no issues with the DOT on our B-lock. And the way that came about when Stan asked me to do the first article back in 2005, I... Um, crossed my fingers, held my breath, called the California Highway Patrol, and I says, what can you tell me about this concept of product? The PR guy I got was an off-road guy. Oh, excellent. And I'm so lucky. Oh, yes. my God, so lucky. <laughs> I've been trying to get into the DOT, the, the Federal Department of Transportation, couldn't get, couldn't get a return phone call or any information. And so he took it upon himself to start checking them out, and California Vehicle Code, California Commercial Vehicle Code, and he got back into the DOT, they have no issues with it. Oh, okay. So it's not like there's a qualified or unqualified. It's just that they have no issues with it is the way I have to put it. 
the DOT looks at it like an inner tube, which it more or less is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I thanked him a bunch. <laughs> oh, I bet. In fact, I'll be putting a, the next article I'm going to put up on the news uh, uh, on the website will be uh, the history and evolution of beadlocks, and it'll go into and cite that very very case, my original tests, some pictures from my original tests, and so on. All right. Well, so I misspoke. It, it's not that it's not DOT approved. It just, you're saying that the DOT doesn't have issues with it, and specifically the uh, DOT in California is the one that you spoke with. So, so these yeah. are these are considered street legal. Uh, so you can do these. So my next question would be, how do you balance them? Very carefully. <laughs> now, there's, there's, I have yet to have a balance problem. And that's maybe because somebody hasn't told me of their balance problem and give me a chance to correct it. The beadlock case is a mini tire, as I described. The tread, I don't have a one-piece tread. I have a strap that overlaps on itself by about six inches, and then that's sewn. That's a heavy spot. I also have, now when you get them all together, two valve stems, the standard valve stem and the other one that I suggest you drill clockwise about six to eight inches from it. And so that's a heavy spot, and the beadlock uh, tread is a heavy spot. The case tread is a heavy spot. You put those 180 degrees opposite each other, and it, it kind of compensates everything. And then the bottom line is they only weigh seven pounds, all told. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, it would be safe to assume that you do have customers using these on daily drivers, uh, daily drivers, yeah. weekend warriors. Yeah. Yep. The weekend warriors love them as much as the other guys. And and along with you, when we spoke earlier, you had mentioned uh, being a, a Cherokee um, of a sort, uh-huh. and I was on the Jeep Speed Baja 1000 class winner five years in a row. Lance, who uh, made uh, set up Pirate 4x4, became pretty popular, and he sold out of it, but um, it was his car. He won five years in a row, and he was running our beadlocks, and he claims that he had a flat one time, and... Um, he drove 30 miles at up to 100 miles an hour and got into the pits to have the pits change the tire and um, <laughs> survived. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I mean, if whatever keeps you going, right? Yeah, yeah. I won't call him a run flat. I don't want the liability issues, but I'll call him a limp flat. And yeah. along with that goes, some guys limp really fast. <laughs> they limp at high speed, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Now, uh, I see on your site that these things uh, start about about $185 a piece. Is that correct? Yeah. Figure a ballpark way. I, I was going to shows until we had this uh, virus thing come up. But um, people had asked me about prices, and uh, I would say a hip shot way of pricing it is, figure it's 200 bucks a corner. It's going to be 800 bucks for a set, regardless uh, well, you know, with a little up and down for size, you know, 14s are a little less than, than 17s. And what I would do at the shows, I would price a set of four for 650 bucks any size. Oh, very nice. Um, and, uh, of course, if you have a spare, it, you really need to have a set of five, right? Yep, if you want to equip your spare with that. But mm, somewhat along the lines of this, 
limp flat business, you, if you're running four of them, you've got four four spares, oh. so to speak. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because if you if you, you if know? something's wrong with the tire, you're going to be taking it off, and you can just uh, swap out the uh, the the meat locks at the same time. Well, I wouldn't even do that. I just put the spare on to get home, and then go about uh, you know get back to camp, and then go about. Um, making whatever changes you want yeah makes sense now i'm not a big uh side-by-side razor type fan but i know there are people out there that are uh is this something that they would benefit from as well very much so 2017 king of the hammers sarah price who was uh at that time kawasaki sponsored and toyota sponsored um she was running our um our beadlocks in raceline beadlock rims mm-hmm. and um she in her qualifying lap she about 100 yards off the line she got a one inch gash in the sidewall the beadlock held she ran the qual lap she finished the qual lap she qualified 10th out of about 50 40 people and that was on a flat tire <laughs> and the essence of it is is you're not really running on a flat tire if you can picture that beadlock occupies some vertical space so you're running on kind of a half flat. Very nice. So, uh, what for? I, I guess people that have the the side by sides, uh, the razors, the Polaris, and so on and so forth, they know what size wheels they have. But would that uh, would that be the 14s, the 15s? That that's the part I don't know. That's one of the reasons why I was thinking. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you for reminding me to mention it. Yeah, that's why I have the 14s, and uh, Sarah was running 15s. Okay. Uh, so 15s aren't bad. That's what came on the uh, the Cherokees, uh, and I think the TJs as well. Uh, so uh, I kind of like the uh, a good rubber to uh, uh, metal ratio. So I kind of like the smaller uh, smaller rims anyway. Yeah, I uh, I was furnished a Cherokee by Chrysler for a while, and um, I'm definitely a, a rubber versus metal guy. <laughs> I just don't quite yet get it other than sheer ground clearance for 20-inch wheels. Yeah. Well, I, once you start reducing that rubber to, um, to metal ratio, um, it doesn't take much of a hit to collapse clear through. Yeah. And the, the bigger that ratio is, the, the more rubber you got, the more vertical rubber you got between the rim and the ground, the bigger um, beadlock I can put on there, and then it'll offer that much more protection. So... Um, that's the plus aspect for me for small wheels. Now, I, I have 16s now, and I live with it. I've got a Toyota Land Cruiser, but, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of lots of rubber and less metal. Well, the metal doesn't really wrap around those rocks very well. Uh, I mean, it can, but it usually only does it once. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've got a picture. I've got a picture out of the hammers that uh, I think it was on Aftershock, and one guy had steel wheels, and he didn't have beadlock rim, uh, rims, and he somehow or other got a flat and rolled the outside, you know, that last little vertical lip mm-hmm. uh, that holds the tire, that the tire pushes against. He rolled that completely back and towards the ID, towards the axle on the whole damn thing. I've got a picture of that, and that's... Uh, you just say that can't happen. Well, I got a picture of it. It did. Yeah, it's not impossible. It's just not as uh, not as uh, flexible as the rubber part. So that's one of the things these uh, these kids these days don't understand about that uh, all that metal. 
uh yeah i don't know i just driving around rubber bands just drives me up the wall but uh, there you go um so yeah. <laughs> so now these these beadlocks you you think rocks and you think low tire pressure and good rock crawling because you can get your pressure your tire pressure down really low and it grabs the surface very well but you can also use these in sand can't you oh definitely yeah they um one of the tests i ran was is do they uh let's say you're really struck, stuck in the sand there may be a time when you want to go down to one or two or flat to get your ass out of the sand mm-hmm. and so do that do the do the beadlocks interfere with that they occupy some of that flat space that going flat space hence the you know half flat versus full flat and so one of the tests i ran was to flatten all four tires and try to go up a sand hill. Now, this was not a, a rocket launch, you know, blast and jump up the sand hill. This was a crawl up the sand hill. So I started out with just one tire that way, and the others down to about seven. And we'd go along, and we couldn't make it up this sand hill. And then we aired them all down to flat, and it was kind of like they would take a quarter spin, hook up, and then move the Jeep forward slowly again. And then take a little bit of a spin, hook up again, and move, kind of like a paddle tire would. And you looked at the track, and by gosh, it looked like a a paddle tire. So I guess the rubber was kind of gathering, uh, and as it gathered, it would would grip and then loosen back up is kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, and in in contrast to that, I'll, I'll point out the high end of it. I'm on several drag vehicles. I'm on a Honda sedan that's turning 175 in the seven seconds, low sevens. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a diesel drag truck that's turning 170, 165 in the high sevens and low eights. And the, the, um, the sedan is only running 6 PSI, and the diesel drag truck is running 13 PSI. And... So when you have questions about, you know, when somebody queries me about, well, can I spin the rim in the tire? I'd say very unlikely, and here's what's going on. I quote the the, um, the diesel truck specs. He's delivering 1,200 foot-pounds of torque to the ground on 16-inch rims that he's running 13 PSI on, and we, we marked the uh, valve stem against the rim against the tire, and behold, he doesn't spin the rims in the tire. Yeah, it doesn't do very much good if you're trying to uh, generate a lot of horsepower if uh, if the the tires or the wheels inside the tires are spinning. So I can see how that would be a very important thing uh, to get you down, get your ass down the road in a certain amount of time. Um, so- yeah, in fact, that's the way I start the um, that beadlock article is uh, from the best of my guesses and research was that it started in the drag industry and they run sheet metal screws through the rim into the tire bead oh, to keep from doing that very goodness. thing. And they still do it and they sell, there was four different products um, that vary from wheel screws to rim screws to tire screws to other terms. And in essence, it was a sheet metal screw that went through the rim into the tire. Amazing. So, um, do you have to do you have to adjust? Do you find yourself having to adjust the the beadlock pressure and the tire pressure, or when you go out, you just if you're going to be doing something, you drop the, the tire pressure down and you leave the the bead, the internal beadlocks alone. It's kind of like you inflate the, the beadlock to your 
desired pressure, I recommend you run 40. There's spec to 50. That gives you 10 pounds of thermal expansion, safety. Mm-hmm. And then all you do is check them. And like all inner tube things, you've got you to gotta be honest about this. If you own anything with inner tubes, bicycles, hand carts, wheelbarrows, whatever, they have inner tubes, you know they leak. I sure. can't explain it. I won't try to beat it. I just say check them and, and air them back up to 40, and that's about the only thing you do. Then your tire pressure doesn't matter. If your listeners are familiar with the rock bouncers um, on the East Coast, um, the analogy I draw, most people know about the King of the Hammers. Sure. Maybe not all know about the, uh, the rock bouncers. But um, rock bouncers, when, when they go on a course, they look like, look, uh, they make King of the Hammers look like grandmas run to the store to get a loaf of bread. <laughs> they, they are brutal. I'm on a podium performer, a guy named Travis Lovett, and he runs flat. He pulls the valve course, and he just runs my beadlocks. Oh, nice. I've got a picture of him, a video. I've got all kinds of uh, propaganda, I call it, that yeah, I can yeah. put in an email for people to see. But I've got a picture of him that he sent me. He ran into a tree. He claims he was going 60 miles an hour. All I have is a video and a picture of a rim after he hit it. But he hit this tree. He bounced up about seven feet, back down about ten, and finished the race. And he took a, and the the tire stayed on the rim due to the beadlock. He didn't flatten the beadlock, didn't pinch it or anything, so it survived. And um, the rim is split. You know where the spokes join the tart the part of the um, of the rim that holds the air, mm-hmm. those spokes are split for about 120 degrees. <laughs> well, that, that certainly sounds uh, uh, very good for, the, your, uh, for your product there. So let me ask you something. So say I'm not, I'm not necessarily planning on it, but if I was in a high-speed uh, uh, chase from police officers and they put one of those uh, spike strips down, would my, uh, my beat locks let me to c- continue that, uh, <clears throat> that chase on for hours and hours until I ran out of fuel? Good question. I don't know. I can only guess. But I have people tell me when they call, I'll get a call and I'll say, "Hey, I got a nail in my tire. Are your beadlocks bulletproof?" I says, "What do you What do you mean? What do you mean?" And he says, "Well, it bent the nail." Oh. And what happened in that case, I'm pretty sure, is as it loses air, the nail is no longer going straight in, like straight towards the axle. It's kind of going in at an angle, mm-hmm. and the the beadlock tread doesn't see that thing straight on like the uh like the tire tread probably did and so it hits it at an angle it bends it down now those pl- those uh those strips are a little more than a than a than a nail so i'd guess you're you're going to lose but if there's enough clearance if if the if the um the the strip is 3 inches high and you've got four inches of uh, clearance, you would drive over those, and you wouldn't flatten the um, 
the beadlock because the the strip wouldn't uh, those spike strips wouldn't get clear through the tire and the beadlock at the same time. Uh, wouldn't that be some great propaganda? You were like if it was on uh, O.J. Simpson's uh, uh, Bronco and they had had put the, <laughs> yeah. the the strips out there. You know, O.J. just was able to keep going. You know, you could you could uh, spin that like uh, defeat the police with uh, coyote bottomless uh, or boatless beadlocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. Now, now you guys also have something else having to do with air, which are the air downs. So it's it's kind of a good combination. You need to air down your tires. Uh, and uh, you want to do that quickly, you guys have some uh, deflators. Exactly. That uh, I usually start with the deflators, and then I go on and I say, okay, well, with air down tires, you understand the downsides, you can pop a bead, and then I go off on my, on my beadlock tangent, but we'll pick up with the deflators. Yes, I have an automatic tire deflator that um, I've got a patent on, and uh, the patent is what allows it to snap off. It toggles off. It's like a light, the, well, old-fashioned light switches, and there's still some around. You know, you <laughs> click them, and they yeah. snap up and make a click sound. Right. And uh, behold, they've toggled on or off. And my deflator works that way pneumatically. The air and everything comes together to make it snap on and snap off. And um, the... Pressure range you can air down to is I specify one to 65 pounds, and I've got springs that can let me run up. In fact, I just finished an email to a German race team why they want to air down to 75 pounds. I'm not sure, but um, they said, can I, can I go out to 75? And I went out and tested my blue springs. I, I gauge them by color. Mm-hmm. And my blue springs are good for about 100 pounds. <clears throat> so you can adjust them to whatever you want. The, the way I get that great big dynamic range of 1 to 65 is very simple. I just have two sets of springs. They come with the silver springs, which give you 1 to about 22. And then if you want to go to a pressure higher than 20 is what, when I recommend you change it. You put the red springs in, and they're good for about 8 to 65. So I've never used any uh, deflators like this. I usually uh, I have one that has the gauge, and it removes the, uh, the pin from the, uh, from the valve, and it airs out, and you screw the pin back in. Uh, th- just for the folks like me that d- have never used ones like this, which I would assume this kind of screw on, how do you, how do you go about uh, setting it before you screw it on? Is it... Is it uh, on the, the, the device itself, or do you have to kind of play yeah, with it? Yeah, you can't, you can't calibrate it. There's too many manufacturing tolerances that would have to come together, starting with the spring tolerance. If you want a spring that's plus or better than plus or minus 10%, you pay through the nose for springs. So sure. starting with that tolerance and the rest of the cumulative manufacturing tolerances, I can't give you a number for... You know, a, a, a marked point that advertises 10 or 15 or something like that. There's a couple, couple of companies on the market that do, but they basically don't work. And um, that's because of those tolerances. The, um, and and the, the funniest one to me is NATO has an automatic tire deflator, and they have little notches. So they have 10, 12, 14 Seems like one other one, 16, I think. And so you dial it to this notch and you put it on and it starts or you manually start it. And then it 
juts off at that pressure you set. But I've tested them. One, they don't dial in to exactly the pressure, and that's not too bad. I mean, you know, no real big deal, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't give you what you're expecting. And then two, they virtually all leak after they shut off. And uh, I was very proud of helping my manufacturer um, come up with a way to do these low-pressure tests. This company, uh, you have an air compressor? Yes. Okay. Put your thumb out in front of your face and think of it being brass. Can you picture something on the air compressor tank that looks kind of that size brass? That's a little pop valve. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, okay, that pop valve is um, is uh, what saves your buns if your compressor goes wild and just keeps pumping. It doesn't blow the tank up. It starts leaking the air out. Sure. These guys make three hundred to 500,000 of those pop valves a month. And uh, great company to work with. And I was so lucky. They, they prototyped my valve with no money, no money up front. I just couldn't believe it. And so anyway, I says, well, I want this thing to work down to at least three or four PSI and make sure it doesn't leak. And he says, Harry, we don't have any way of testing down that low. You know, they do if you're a scientist. Sure. Like a rocket scientist, you look at airflow and volume and pressure and count molecules and whatever else. <laughs> but I says, well, how about just test it underwater? And he says, oh, yeah, good idea. So in the design process, they would test for low pressure underwater. I tested all deflators. I tested eight different brands of deflators um, underwater, and they virtually all leak. And it's because they don't have the toggle shut off that I have, that, that, that even seating force um, closure that I have. And that's what the patent's on is, um, is um, this uniform closing space. And I'm probably getting way too technical, but picture a spring. A spring is a spiral of wire. And sometimes they'll make that spiral go in close to be flat. And then they'll even grind it flat. But guess what? It ain't flat. There's still a little gap. Mm-hmm. What that means is when that spring is pushing down on something, if you want it to push perfectly down, there's a little void where it's not getting as much force as the rest of the spring. Right. And, and I've overcome that with my patent. Excellent. So uh, you can uh, definitely uh, so be able to back, rely on yeah, these that don't make question on how to adjust them. Um, they, what I recommend you do is you put them on the tire – I give the factory a lot of tolerance. That means it costs you and I less money to pay for them calibrating them. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be set to 12 PSI, <clears throat> but I give them plus or minus 2 PSI. So they can be anywhere in the range of 10 to 14 pounds. Right. Sometimes they're even outside that. And I don't beat them up for it because I figure everybody's going to adjust them. You screw them on your inflated tire. They automatically start. When they shut off, you take them off with a valve stem. You measure the pressure. And then the trick, it's got the silver spring in it. The silver spring adjusts at the rate of four pounds per revolution. I've got a little reference mark in the adjustment cap that says, here's where you are right now. So let's say it's 10 and you wanted 12. You just screw it down a half a turn, and that's two pounds up. 
Okay, that makes sense. And that that would be, you could go back and forth really quickly and figure out what it's supposed to be. Now, do they, they hold that PSI well once you've got it set? You can uh, chunk them back in the carrier, and then you can uh, count on that uh, pressure the next time you use them? Boy, I'm so lucky. You're just the guy I need. You ask the engineer what time it is, I get to tell you how to build a watch factory. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I... Um, I am an engineer. I built an automated test stand that cycles through uh, a valve. It airs the tank up. It automatically turns on. It shuts off airing the tank up. It lets it go down. It pauses for a second so you can video-wise zero right in on the, on the uh, gauge and see, hey, that puppy ain't moving. And then you air it back up, and then it goes back down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I've got an event counter on it. And it, at, at about 75,000 cycles, I think, I'm getting bored. I, I don't remember what I ran the arithmetic on, but if a guy was going out two times every weekend for a lifetime, it was like he'd have to be, and he'd have to be, he was using the deflators every weekend. He'd, he'd have to be wheeling for 75 years before he'd have run close to what this cycling is. Excellent. So they're, they're very repeatable. And I think the bottom line best deal is I've got a lifetime guarantee on them. I have a lot of faith in them. And so short of, you know, you driving over them or misusing them or, or taking them apart and losing parts, they have a lifetime warranty. So if they quit working, I just give you a new one. Sweet deal. So I also noticed that you guys have uh, the Stons uh, tire deflators on there as well. So uh, you would, uh, I, I would assume you would recommend the, the Coyote uh, Enterprise uh, deflators over the Stons? Yeah, I used to import the Stons. I quit importing them back a couple of years ago. That's just leftover inventory on the, uh, on the LDs, the SCV LDs. That's the low-pressure ones. That's the ones that are the Stons that are good from 1 to 10 pounds. And that was one of the reasons I thought of using the two springs. Ston has three model numbers. One is the LD, that's 1 to 10 pounds. They had the SCV-5, which is a standard one, that's 6 to 30. And then they have the SCV-HDs, the heavy duties, that's good for 15 to 55. So if you want to match my product in Ston parts, it takes you three part numbers to get my full range of parts. Otherwise, with mine, you just use the spring that covers what you want and, mm-hmm. and go for it from there. And then the lifetime warranty is a big deal with most people too. Oh yeah. Uh, people love that. So if I was uh, looking at your, if I'm looking at your site here, uh, and that's uh, coyote ENTS for enterprise.com coyote ENTS.com. Uh, I see the, uh, the, a set of the coyote, the four, a set of four for it currently on the website, 7652 and the stons are right next to it, the, the 1 to 10 PSIs uh, set of four, 8786. And I, I didn't mention the Coyotes are 1 to 65, like what you've been saying. So for the majority yeah. of us, the, the uh, us folks with Jeeps that you want to air down to, you know, uh, anywhere like 15 to, you know, 5 PSI, uh, this set that you have, the CED 456, the ones that run 1 to 65 PSI, that would be the set that you, you I would think that you would recommend that that's what you want to get uh, because you got the most range and uh, all the all the goodness that you were talking to us about. Exactly. And then the, the bottom line is you can buy those adjusted and there's no price increase. 
that includes adjustment. You tell me what you want them adjusted to. I ship them to you adjusted to that pressure. Oh, wow. That is really and, cool. Yeah. And then the other big plus is we're currently running a 20% discount. And so I'm not sure when it'll occur, but maybe about checkout time or when you're ready to close the site, it may come back and say, hey, use this, um, use this coupon and we'll give you 25% off any deflators. Sweet deal. And just to make sure, the, the, the deflators come adjusted uh, to the PSI that you want, but you can still adjust them yourself. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's nothing sacred about once they're adjusted. It's, it's just, uh, boy, I don't know what analogy to draw, but, oh, I know an analogy to draw. It's like a, like a pressure regulator on your, on your compressor. Mm-hmm. You want more pressure, you screw it in clockwise. You want less pressure, you screw it out counterclockwise. And then you lock the lock ring up. The lock rings on the coyotes are hex. That was one of the problems with the ston. The ston is knurled lock ring and knurled adjustment cap. And if you use tools on them, you stand a chance of crushing the whatever it is you're holding. Right. And you you crush the main body. The piston doesn't move. They quit working, and you voided the warranty. Mm-hmm. And mine, if you use a crushing tool, shame on you. I'd, <laughs> I'd yet to have to re- replace them because the people use open ends, and that makes it real easy to lock them up as tight as you want. Well, you can strip them. But <laughs> right. Well, you, you, can break, you, you can break anything if you try hard enough. So but, yeah, I, I raced motorcycles when I was younger, and and they used to call me Torker. Given a chance to strip it, I would. Given no chance to strip it, I'd still strip it. Bad things happen when when stuff comes loose, especially at high speed and high torque. So I can't say yeah. I blame you. Well, good. So now we've we've talked about the bead locks that you guys have, and we've talked about the uh, the tire deflators. And uh, boy, this sounds like if you get the the internal bead locks and these uh, uh, Coyote uh, deflators, you'd be set up for any off road uh, excitement that you might want to get into. <laughs> so yep. provided you follow my one caveat. Uh oh. N- never air down unless you have a way to air back up. Oh, very true. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want people airing down and get back on the highway and driving and you know well, it's all squishy and you're all wig- tires and then blaming it on me. You're all so, wiggly I, on the Well, I, you know, that's the bad thing about being in business. Somebody's always gonna do something that just doesn't make any sense and then try to lay blame on the manufacturer of something. And I and I just hate that. It's just it's you know, you have personal responsibility is what, what I always try to push. All right, so it, it, me me too. So, Coyote Enterprises, uh, Coyote E-N-T-S, uh, the first uh, few letters of Enterprise, uh, .com is the website. And uh, so, uh, are you guys on the social media? You know how the kids love the social media. They like seeing pictures and things and whatnot. Are, are you yeah, guys on that? My, my business partner, office manager, wife is <laughs> on the social media. I'm kind of avoiding it. Uh-huh. I, I look at it like getting pregnant for the rest of my life. You know, you get in these conversations and these contests and these information things and showing what somebody, what you had for dinner and how you cut your thumb. And, oh, God, I look at it as never ending. So she's my social contact and my web guru is telling me, Harry, you got to come around to the 21st century. So I'm beginning to get a little more involved in, in this newsletter. I came out with my website, and I would tell people, hey, sign up, and I'll send an occasional notice. I'll bet you I didn't give one notice every six months. Now I've got it 
to where I'm going to be doing about one every four weeks. <laughs> uh oh! It's the next thing you're going to be. You're going to be on uh, Facebook twenty four seven, posting what you ate and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how you're feeling about all kinds of things. You know, got to get your feelings yeah. out, Harry. People need to know your feelings. You know, no, they don't. But people still put it up there. Well, Harry, thank yeah. you so much for being on, and uh, a big thanks to Steve for point three LXJ. Uh, a guy over on xjtalk.com that I've known for years over there. Uh, thank him for uh, putting us uh, on to, uh, onto you and uh, your fantastic products. We'll have to be uh, going over there checking out uh, Coyote Enterprises. That's coyoteents.com. So you let's check it out. And uh, if you uh, if you get one of these products, especially the beadlocks, I'd, I'd love to hear from you and uh, find out uh, how you like them. It, it looks like a great thing to do. And if you're a serious off-roader, this seems to me to be the thing to get because uh, uh, just the, uh, the the beadlocks on the wheels ain't good enough. You need to go all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate Steve turning me on, putting you and I together, Tony, and um, I um, look forward to another time when we talk about whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much again. Hey, big thanks to Harry for coming on and talking about Coyote Enterprises. Really cool company. They're doing some really cool stuff, and they are heavily involved in off-road racing. We'll have to get them back to talk a little bit more in detail about just how involved they are in the off-road racing world and all the stuff they're doing there. Really cool stuff happening at Coyote Enterprises. Be sure to go check them out. Coming up next week, we're going to have Rory from RA Designs Products. Let's go to radesignsproducts.com, and you might want to because you might want to check out what the uh, giveaway is going to be. You know, you want to shop around and and look at what he's got available there and uh, see because there's going to be a giveaway. I'm letting you know ahead of time. The suspense. And, uh, you know, you need to listen uh, early and often. Well, at least early. So uh, get that Jeep Talk Show app from uh, the Android or uh, Apple Store so you can be the first person to listen to the show on Friday morning. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, the experience you get from owning a Jeep isn't just about exploring trails, meeting new Jeepers, and adding modifications. It's all that and more. The experience you get from Jeeping can come in handy when you get a call from a friend in need. Now, our 4x4 club in Big Bear does all kinds of trail runs, from easy fire roads to black diamond rock crawling. And from time to time, someone may need assistance. Well, our friend Shelby has always been one of those people you can count on for help. He drives a 1990 surplus military blazer he calls The Beast. It's a diesel that he has thrown Dana 60 one-ton axles in with hydro-assist ram steering on 40-inch tires. It's a short wheelbase, but a great go-anywhere rig that is topless and set up for crawling. Now, the Beast has pulled people out of some crazy situations from simple obstacles to black diamond trails. On one trail we did, it was a night run with our club, and another Jeeper's drive shaft broke midway through a couple mile long trail. Ooh. Now, the Beast pulled him through the rest of the obstacles, and I can tell you that was some spotting challenges for me. It was dark, late, and we had two vehicles connected by a short strap climbing through tough obstacles, including sharp turns. Great experience for me as the spotter, and Shelby was a trooper for pulling him through. He always steps up to help where needed. Well, it was time for me to return that favor. Shelby called two weeks ago when we was heading up the mountain in the Beast, towing his military trailer with steel supplies for a project. 
Now, it was a very hot day, around 102 degrees down below, and the engine was heating up, so he pulled over to let traffic by and let the beast take a break. Next thing he knows is that this rig is on fire. Yep. Full-blown engine and front end on fire. Now, that tiny fire extinguisher we always talk about needing to have on board was no match for this inferno. Sad to say, the beast was destroyed. He might be able to save the rear axle and other rear end parts, but what a devastating thing to happen to anyone. And Shelby loves his beast. That was not part of his plans that day. Now, it turns out AAA would flat tow the beast up the mountain, but not the trailer, unless he wanted to pay an extra $800 for it. <laughs> Jeez. Now, and his trailer has a uh, pintle eye hitch, and he didn't have any other options to get the trailer home, so he called us to use our flatbed trailer to, to put on his trailer on. Now, Bill, of course, is off the mountain working, so I went into rescue mode and hitched up the flatbed trailer to the Chevy and headed down to the scene with a friend of mine in the passenger seat. Now, after the beast was towed to his house, Shelby and his wife, Belinda, drove our Jeep down because, after all, we needed the winch on the Jeep to help get his trailer on our flatbed trailer. Mm -hmm. Now, this is when I was excited to put my winching skills to use. Now, I've seen and used the winch on trails to move Jeeps, rocks, down trees, and we've also used the winch at home to move huge eucalyptus logs off the trailer for firewood, and we've even used it to move a huge loaded tool shed on the property. This experience had me primed and ready to tackle this new challenge, getting his trailer on our trailer. So I get down there and I jackknifed our trailer so I could use the Jeep's winch line to pull Shelby's trailer up onto our trailer. It was like autopilot for me. All the training and experience just kicked in like I was a pro. I got the soft shackles out, the toe strap, connected the points of his trailer with the strap, then let the winch line out and secured it all together. And after making certain everything was safe and people were out of the winch line swing zone, I began to winch his trailer up the ramps and onto ours. Now, it must have been a strange sight for passing drivers to see three women and one guy hoisting this military trailer up onto our flatbed trailer. I can't imagine what must have gone through their minds. It was so easy to get that trailer up with the tools and equipment we had. We secured his trailer with chains and chain binders in a well-orchestrated 20 minutes, and we were on our way. Nice. The funniest, the funniest part of the adventure was after we got to Shelby's house and dropped his trailer off using his tractor. I now had to turn around to go home. Now He lives on a narrow dirt road with no exit, one way in, one way out. And I have a lifted crew cab, long bed, Chevy truck on 37s with no real turning radius, and <laughs> I'm towing a 16-foot trailer. Oh boy, now I needed my trailer backing skills to kick in. It was dark and hard to see the fences and bushes. I had to remind myself that I have backed up horse trailers many times, and this would be no different. After a few stabs at it, I got the right line up, and yeehaw, I turned that rig around. And I can tell you I slept very well that night. Yeah. Now, I'm thankful I had the skills and the mindset to help a friend out. It goes to show you that we all learn something on the trail that can come in handy at other times. I'm also thankful for my ability to go into action when needed with a calm presence. I'm sure Bill's skill set and mindset have rubbed off on me. Bill says I'm a good student. <laughs> now, the update on the beast is it is totaled and Shelby's dealing with the insurance company. He isn't sure what he'll do to replace the beast. It was a love of his to tinker and build. I'm secretly hoping he liked driving our Jeep off the mountain and perhaps would consider a Jeep in his future. No matter what he decides, we can't wait for him to get back on the trails with us and we will miss the beast. So, do you guys have any skills you've learned on the trail that come in, has come in handy off the trail? 
Well, um, yes and yes and no. I mean, I, kind of going back to to you know something that that uh, Tony had mentioned a little bit earlier about it snowing uh, in in the Houston area there, and and something that doesn't happen all that often. Now up here in the Pacific Northwest, yeah, we do get snow relatively frequently uh, during the winters. Not every single winter, and it's not always a city shutting down type of snow event. Um, but that being said, there are always people um, who just plain and simply don't know how to drive. It's just like yeah, you got this you know lowered BMW three series trying to get in and out of a out of a steep driveway you know establishment and and he's just high centered on snow and it's just like yeah you thought that that would be the best vehicle to bring out on a snowy evening you know to try and go get some groceries or something well the tires are slanted yeah yeah right exactly what was I thinking so you know yeah then they're like those street slicks almost and and, and so the uh, the skills that I learned you know recovery skills that I've learned off road have transferred to recovery skills that I use on-road just about every single winter. Now, when we do get those uh, snow days where the city shuts down and, and hey, I'm out of work for a couple days or something like that, I'll actually take my Jeep out and do patrols out in the, in the city here um, and looking for people in ditches or that are stuck, can't get up a hill, can't get out or into a driveway, something like that, and I'll go into action and and pull them out and or, you know, recover them in a situation where they can at least get a tow truck in to, to pull them out because the vehicle's totaled at that point or or get them on their way and get them home. Uh, in any case, it's it's all recovery stuff that I've learned off the trail. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's amazing how we how we can translate the information we get on the trail or we learn while we're on the trail and we can use it to help these people. It's just, it was a good feeling for me and to do it all by myself, you know, because Bill wasn't there sort of helping and guide like I use his skill set a lot <laughs> sometimes. Um, I was just excited to be able to do that. And of course, to help a friend out, it's always a good feeling that you get when you can help somebody. So, oh, there's definitely that feeling of accomplishment and, you know, you, you've done a good deed and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, yeah, you'll definitely sleep good that night because there's, you know, at a certain point you're, you're definitely, you know, kind of running on, on, uh, on some adrenaline a little bit, you know, you're, you're in action, you're on. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's things that are at stake here. You're maybe even working against a clock at sometimes, um, and, uh, you, you know, these things have to get done. Um, and, and so, yeah, when, when things finally calm down, it's like, oh boy, you know, I, I'm kind of tired now, you know, <laughs> I kind of work, you know, you know, kind of worked at that one. Well, brain bit, work, so. the, the concern, yes. like yeah. backing up and uh, on yep. a, a dark, narrow road and uh, having to pay close attention. All that stuff is very stressful and requires a lot of brain activity. And this is like, I, I often say, it, it's like having a superpower. Uh, I mm -hmm. always relate it to being a Jeep, but it doesn't have to be exclusively a Jeep. And having that ability uh, and that experience means that you have a, uh, a better than average chance of helping somebody that's in a, a, a dire situation quickly. You don't want to go too quickly, but that experience will allow you to perhaps even save a life because of, of this, these experiences that you've had. Yeah. How about you, Tony? Anything you want to share on that? Well, the one time I've been off-road was uh, up there in uh, Big Bear Lake. And oh, yes, I, that's I right. found <laughs> that the best thing to do was when you're waiting for a axle to be replaced, Yes. <laughs> stand in the shade because yes. if you're very fair complected like I am, uh, you, you burn real easy. So I stayed in the shade and uh, visited the, uh, the, the drink uh, bottle area uh, quite often. Mm -hmm. Yep, that is very true because it's that sun up here, especially when you're in higher elevation. Yeah. People don't, don't realize that that heat and the sun that comes through the rays, it does affect you differently. And it, it's a lot hotter than you think. So cool. Very good. Well, well 
Hey, if I if I could uh, just have you pass something on to your friend Shelby, if he's uh, yes. looking for a replacement vehicle and you're hoping that he might get a Jeep, something that might sort of fit the bill to uh, to step into the shoes of the beast would be a yeah. 1974 to 1987 Jeep J20. That would be uh, Jeep's, you know, more full-sized, uh, I think it's the three-quarter or full-ton, um, full-size pickup of that generation. Uh, it would definitely suit the, uh, you know, fit his bill for, you know, a big, strong V8 Dana 60 type of platform on 40s um, that could be an excellent recovery vehicle. Uh, so cool. just, you know, and that's kind of, kind of one of those things that would, it would be, it would take her on for a while. He would have to, you know, really do some homework to try and find one that's either an old military one or one that's, you know, in decent condition that's still, you know, um, still on the road or, you know, at least, uh, still all there as it were. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see him get into a, into an old full size Jeep as a, as a recovery vehicle. That'd be pre- pretty cool. Yeah, and he does a lot of really cool things. He does his own welding, and you know he's just a fabricator. He could do all kinds of things. I kind of so figured. Think I kind of figured. Yeah. By yeah. the sound yeah. of it, I was like, okay, this is a guy who can build. So yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so did they ever figure out what the cause of the fire was? No, oh, yeah. um, I don't know that we know that yet. Bill was thinking that there was certain models that when the radiator gets hot and there's an overflow, um, uh, not a cord, an overflow valve that actually drains and somehow it gets connected to the exhaust or it sets on the exhaust maybe that hell did it there's no way to know i mean honestly it's you know it's a few things for choices but he he didn't you know it's it's, anybody that has a a 20 year old plus vehicle uh josh you do and mine is is literally the a single owner a vehicle that's over 20 years and and things like that scare the hell out of me because you know, it's not replaceable. I, I can't replace it with a brand new Jeep Cherokee because that's what it was when I got it. Uh, have you guys ever thought about, I don't know if you're concerned about this or not. Have you guys ever thought about doing like the uh, the drag racing uh, system that puts, you know, you have a button and you press that button and uh, this fire extinguisher oh, goes off underneath the hood. Halon or something like that. Or, yeah, well, not even a- Halon, just the, the powder. I mean, because anything that would just the snuff any any possible fire and oil fire or whatever it just dumps all this white stuff and you know what thinking about this i don't know if that would be bad on the trail having all that stuff dumped like that but i don't know that's a really you know good I mean? question uh but yeah. that, that would be i just i hate hearing about this the guy put so much time into it he'll never get back and no it was so sad and you know when you go to the insurance company of course they're like what do you mean it's worth this you know yeah, i'm yeah, looking at the yeah, pictures it sure. didn't look like it was worth that let's uh-huh. go to kelly blue book oh, it says yeah. five dollars yeah. <laughs> 1992 <laughs> blazer yeah it's like well i gotta well, check and, here for you for 1500 bucks was there any yeah. surface rust oh i'm sorry you owe us two dollars and fifty cents that's right yeah but the back end he said he's you know did the fire didn't i guess the fire department got there quick enough but the whole front the engine's gone oh, the yeah. you know They're, seats in the front um there is the stuff toward the back that is probably salvageable so you know whether he does something similar or he parts it out or whatever he can do he'll he's trying to save as much as he can on that you know and see what he can do with it so yeah i'm wondering if the if the heat got damaged the uh, you know because some some little something uh you, you just don't know I, i'm hoping he know? can salvage some of it but some little something yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll find well, out, this, and I just this is one of those one of those things that happens. You you never wish it to happen to anybody, no. but it's one of those no. things that brings up no, the conversation of you know, is your insurance up to par for what you're driving? Oh, absolutely but, not. I mean, very and and ninety percent yeah. of, of of Jeepers out there are running with a run of the mill insurance policy that is not going to cover any of their aftermarket, any of the labor, 
any of that stuff that makes the Jeep what it is. And, and you're, you're going to get robbed from your insurance company. Um, and so really, if you've got, if you're at the point of where, you know, you're 10 years into your build, you've got a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and a crap ton of money into this Jeep build. Maybe it's time to look into actually protecting it with a policy that is going to pay off for all of your hard work. Um, and yeah, it's going to cost you a little bit more per month, but it's one of those kind of policies that if you have a good reputation with your insurance company and in your insurance provider, that you might be able to enact this policy at will. One of these things where, hey, you know, this is a policy that's going to be um, in, in in action between you know May and October, uh, and I'm only paying for though you know this the the added premium during you know these six or seven months or or whatever it is. Um, uh, and that, that way I know that if I roll my Jeep on the trail or if it catches fire on the way to, you know, to, to the, to the park or something like that, that mm-hmm. I'm going to be covered and I'm going to be able to get out of my Jeep, what I put into it, or at least something close instead of, well, barely half. Yeah. That's a really good suggestion, Josh. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, that's, the, well, this, this uh, is interesting too, because I was kind of concerned about the stuff that I was putting on my Cherokee. And at one point I had full coverage on it. And I asked them, I said, hey, what happens if this, if my Cherokee gets stolen and you guys look up in the book and you say, oh, this is what it, what it's worth. You know, it's getting older, so it's worth less and less. I said, I got custom bumpers, front and rear, tire carrier, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't and, cover and, any of that. And the, no, the agent said, as long as you have receipts, we'll cover it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so no special insurance from what I, this from what I had. Now I've never had to use it. But this is what he told me, and I'll, I'll share with you guys, that State Farm. I've, I've been with them for over 30 years. Yeah, I've actually, uh, a couple of the Jeep shows that, I am, that I've, uh, I've been involved with for, for several years, um, they actually have uh, State Farm in, um, uh, representatives that are, are setting up booths you know, there at the show. These are guys who, who are Jeepers themselves, who know about what goes into, into making a Jeep a Jeep and, and, and driving it off-road and, and living the Jeep lifestyle and, and offer policies that will protect you uh, as a Jeeper uh, for that sort of thing. I don't know that all insurance companies offer that. I do know that State Farm does just from personal experience. And thank you, Tony, for, for sort of uh, um, you, you know, uh, shining some light on that and uh, uh, some validation with that. Uh, but yeah, full coverage doesn't necessarily mean that your your aftermarket is protected. So yeah, don't um, don't it, assume. Ask your yeah. agent. Yeah, you absolutely. Have to ask. Yeah, really though. Yeah, so yeah. really good stuff, guys. I'm hopefully our listeners will take heed and check out their insurance policies as well. So, all right, well, reach out and let us know your newbie story, or if you have a topic and or suggestion for newbie nuggets. And if you want more info, check out my YouTube channel on Jeep 4-1-1 with more tips, tricks, and techniques. Hey, what's going on with the uh, the videos? I haven't seen anything new in a while. Um, yeah, why don't you get your bite in the gear? <laughs> <laughs> um, Don's wife had uh, knee surgery, I think. She oh, was scheduled yeah. finally, you know, with all the delay, delay, delay. So I think it's, you know, about a week that he's out of commission right now. So, so what you're saying is their camera person is, is out of commission right now. So. No, no. Well, no. The, She's been the kicking camera- Don's ass to do videos. Oh. And now she can't kick his ass because of the, the <laughs> surgery. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, you got to take care and make sure Absolutely. everybody's doing well and yeah. all that. So that hasn't been on his mind as a priority right now. No, but, yeah. but I miss it. I, it's in, I I, I'm enjoying seeing that, uh, that green JL grow. And uh, it, it's interesting seeing the, uh, I love the one about the, the inexpensive lift that they yes. put on there. And both Bill, 
uh, your husband Bill yep. and, uh, uh, and Don and Don was uh, was very surprised at uh, how well that inexpensive lift performed. I've been it's telling people surprising. for years whenever they start running down rough country, you know what I mean? Is this something that you've read in forums or heard people just bad mouthing? What what is your actual experience? Have you had a bad experience? And uh, most of the time they just go shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. (laughs) Whatever, man. Yeah. Yeah. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I've got to say, Travis, thanks for the song. It was very entertaining, uh, very creative. But I do believe you have tapped more than just a keg, if you know what I mean. Wink, (laughs) wink. And I'm not sure if Tammy's listening tonight. I'm sure she's listening. I'm not sure if she's there tonight. I got a story to tell. I went on a trail ride with some friends. We all met up at Trailhead, and for some unknown reason, they decided that I should lead and to follow me. So I was vaguely more familiar with the area than they were, although my map reading skills are horrible. So we're uh, driving down the service road to get to the trails. And I come to a screeching stop. And out in the middle of the road was a D-ring shackle. <laughs> so I get out. I get it. No. As I turn no around way. to get back in my Jeep, about 10 feet away from the shackle was the pin. So I got a free shackling <laughs> pin. And all I could think of is I've turned the corner and I come across some thief who in an attempt to flee just dropped the shackle so he could run That's faster. That's what it was. Cover it all the off into the woods. <laughs> Without oh the goods. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe it either. <laughs> no, not about the missing shackle. I've seen that a couple of times already so far. Can you believe there was three people willing to follow me into the woods? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to, I didn't have to hold my gunpoint or anything. All right, boys and girls, <laughs> I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. How do I shut this thing off? That didn't do it. That didn't do it either. I think this is... So I thought this was was zero chloroform. I thought this was going to be a really sad uh, snipe hunting story that involved jeeps. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever he said they had me lead, it's like, yeah. Did you have to take a bag with you? You know, were they going to like move things towards you? You know, and you're supposed to stand out there in the woods and wait. More people um, went in, one person went out. So, Wendy, I don't know if you know, and the audience may not know, uh, Tammy lost one of her D-ring shackles uh, many, many, many moons no, ago. No, no, no. It was clearly stolen. Oh. Clearly, it was, it was, there was a and, thief involved. And that's the controversy, because okay. when you tell Tammy you have to tighten up the pin, <laughs> otherwise it will fall off and you know, you'll lose it, no, she, no, maintained, it she maintained it was a, a thief. Four yeah. shackles... Four D-rings on her Jeep. Only one was stolen. Uh, no, that doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That was the loose one. <laughs> you never know what they're doing so, with that thing, I guess. So that's what Nikki G is referring to, is that he I may have it. cracked the case. And that's why I said he's covering all the bases. So mm-hmm. it didn't just drop off. A thief dropped it, and <laughs> that's where he found it. So there we go. <laughs> now oh. you're up to date. I'm I'm here. Good. <laughs> hey. 
Oh my God! I was afraid my Jeep was going to overheat, and uh, you know I, I need to stay off the dirt because uh, you know Jeep fires aren't funny. I don't know that I picked the right topic considering Wendy's uh, segment I, earlier. I know the timing is weird. <laughs> you insensitive bastard! I know, right? <laughs> We're going to get more of With those all the hate mail I've been getting now, lately. I, I, boy, this is this is just right on par. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, uh, yeah, sorry, Shelby, <laughs> for if you're listening. <laughs> Well, uh, the topic that I that I put out there is, is sort of a, a little bit in line with a lot of what we've been seeing in the news lately. And I, I don't know about what's going on in your area, but uh, the the big city in my area, Portland, Oregon, is is been transformed to, into a war zone, and there's been a lot of vandalism in the area. Um, and, and so it made me think about um, uh, also this viral video that that came out this week. Uh, sort of plays into this as well. It made me think about okay, you know, does this happen to any other jeeper? Um, have you been on one side of the fence or the other of something like this? And this vi- this uh, video that I'm talking about going around uh, this week has shown really uh, what is a pissed off, probably former girlfriend, at least that's what the, the description is telling us, breaking into a Jeep Grand Cherokee and then setting it on fire, uh, pouring you know out of a bunch of gas out of what looks to be about a two-gallon gas container, um, and then reaching into the vehicle to light a match <laughs> and getting blown on her ass in the process. Literally. Um, I mean, bouncing li- off the car no. next to where she was standing. Now, th- this kind of vandalism, this level of vandalism is, is certainly extreme. And, and I, w- I highly doubt that anybody has gone uh, through some, something like this. But, uh, but I'm curious if it ever has happened to you. Have you come out and seen your Jeep's tire slashed or a top slashed or um, you know, spray painted or you know, something uh, keyed into the paint or something like that? Maybe you were the one holding the match and you were lighting <laughs> something on fire. Don't, don't incriminate you yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, a know, friend you know, did it. Sh- you know, that, sure, just go I know. Yeah, thing. exactly. It was uh, somebody else. <laughs> That's the story. I'm sticking to it. Uh, but uh, I think it's time to t- tell some stories or relive some uh, nightmares, as it were, and and we're going to find out if anybody's been a victim of, of Jeep vandalism or you know a car fire like this, or maybe has a cause for uh, going after somebody else uh, or a friend of theirs having gone after <laughs> something else, I heard. as it were. Yeah. So I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going to start it off uh, personally. Uh, my Jeep has has been garaged most of its life. Um, there's only been a couple of times that uh, that I've had any issues whatsoever. Uh, one time it was my fault, had the windows down in the parking lot, uh, you know, grocery store type of thing, went in for just, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so, came back out, backpack gone. Um, and that was my fault. I didn't roll the windows up. And even though I had the alarm on, uh, somebody reached in and, and grabbed the backpack and, and out it goes. Now, that's more of a theft than a vandalism type of thing. I haven't had anything stolen or, sl- or tires slashed or, or anything like that. Um, and so I haven't been a victim in that regard to my Jeep, as it were. Uh, but uh, any longtime listeners of the show know that uh, that I've had a uh, a Honda, had a Honda back in the day uh, that was a, a a victim nine times like of either being penny. stolen, wow. stolen or or broken into or otherwise vandalized nine and times. stuff. So nine there it is. Times. So nine I want to get to the listeners though. I want I want to see if anybody else out there has had any uh, anything happen to their Jeep, or maybe they got so mad a friend of theirs rather got so mad that uh, maybe they uh, you know kind of took it out on on somebody else's Jeep or something like that. So uh, we're gonna get to our listeners now. We've got several in the Zoom uh, in our Zoom chat room, and uh, starting off tonight, we're gonna get to Chris. Chris, have you ever had your Jeep uh, vandalized, or uh, have you ever had cause uh, for maybe one of your friends to vandalize somebody <laughs> else's Jeep? 
Never cause. Uh, my YJ, someone attempted to break into it. They bent the door up, the uh, steel door. It was a hard top. They bent that up pretty well, and that was uh, kind of a bummer. Just let it roll with that. But uh, we, as far as vandalism or, or nefarious acts, we back in the day when they used real road cones before these creations of barriers they have now, when we would drive around with the top off, we would rearrange road cones in construction areas as we drove through. <laughs> just kind of for sport. <laughs> I'm sure that caused all kinds of heck craziness. We, so no, we, that's a, we almost got caught a couple times. And ah, there were some silly high one. school kids. Yeah, that was oh, yeah, yeah. not cool. That kind of sounds think, like jousting or something. Like, let's have some fun. <laughs> All of a sudden, hey, this uh, this uh, four lane road goes down to one in one direction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, back when I was God, I had to have been like 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere around there, and you know, walking through, and all of a sudden, oh, they're doing all this, you know, road construction or something, and they had these barriers with the yellow flashing lights that were on top of them, and and one of these yellow flashing lights had been knocked off and was on the ground, and it found a new home in my bedroom. <laughs> oh no yeah so i had this yellow flashing light in my bedroom that i could not turn off because <laughs> it was <laughs> one of these construction lights that apparently has you know these these two you know square cell batteries in them that never run out and uh and, and it's got some sort of a light sensor built into it or something like that and so you know i've got this thing sitting on the shelf in my bedroom and uh, i go shut the lights off every night flash flash <laughs> flash he's yellow constant never never goes off you know can't take the thing apart it's you know it's, it's one of these one-time use things you know so yeah this is this is back in the you know early 80s uh, mid 80s something like that uh, and so that was you know good times good you time. were you were writing before rioting was cool indeed greg what do you have to say have you ever been a victim or on the other side of the fence and uh, and caused some vehicle vandalism sounds like you're um Flashing light reminds me of a Seinfeld episode they did one time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, you know, it had something to do with the uh, neon light. Oh, Kenny Rogers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that one now. <laughs> but anyway, I've never done anything to permanently damage another vehicle. Um, I just don't see uh, the point in doing something like that. You know, it is somebody's... Uh, Pride and joy, or you know, even if it's just something that they picked up for to get to and from work and things like that. Yeah, I'd hate to see someone have to lose a job, or uh, you know, just because I'm mad at them or felt the need to play a practical joke on somebody. But I have done jokes where it's not permanent damage, and uh, to where like uh, you take a, a tube of grease and you put it underneath the door handle, so when they go open up the oh, door and they, they get grease all over the fingers, you know. Yeah, or, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, <laughs> put it on the back of their steering wheel or, uh, you know, as soon as they get it, they get it cleaned up and then they get, they get going and they turn the volume on their stereo and you get more grease on your fingers. Uh, that stuff's happened before, <laughs> but it's stuff like we've done that for, uh, practical jokes and things like that, but n nothing to be permanent damage or anything like that. I, one time there was a buddy of mine in high school who, uh, uh, had the same type of uh, approach to uh, as I do, and you know we don't want to do permanent damage to anybody for any reason at all. But uh, we did, or he did. It wasn't me. I 
I wasn't involved in this. I want to be clear. Uh, yes, to be very clear, I was not involved in this. But what they did is they went around all four tires and they removed the valve stem. And, uh, you know, just that, that little thing inside the valve stem, you can remove it and make yeah, the, the valve, all the air go right. out. Actual Schrader yeah. valve, yeah. And, and, yeah, and then they uh, and then they put the valve back and so you go out the next morning and you get four flat tires. <laughs> Oh jeez! Oh, that's you evil! Can, you can't pump them up. You can't pump. Yeah. You can start putting air in it, and you can get the tire pumped up. But as soon as you remove the the, the air chuck, the tire goes flat again, and you're screwed. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a nasty one. Yeah, you got to go to the store and get uh, you know four new Schrader valves and the installation tool, and yeah, that that's <laughs> well, that's well, a good well, Greg, one. you said you put, they put the valves back, right? Yeah, they put the valve back. So it's it's oh, more insidious oh, okay. than that, Josh, because now okay. they're trying to find out why. What did I run over? Yeah. Where's the leaks? Yeah. Where's and there's the no leaks. The, you're, you drive so them cruel. crazy for a long time. Well, let's put some That's air in it. psychological warfare, yes. man. That is yes. psychological it's warfare. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and, and if I'm not mistaken, that happened on uh, more than one occasion to the same vehicle, and the guy was just perplexed. He couldn't figure out why his air kept going out of his tires. It was. It was he was an funny. asshole. <laughs> there was there was some movie where this guy was uh, a neighbor was just very obnoxious about his his miles per gallon. He was constantly keeping up with how many miles per gallon he was getting, and he was telling uh, the neighbors around him about it. And they got so sick of it that they started going over and putting gas in the neighbor's car, <laughs> just just so he would t- brag about the MPGs. One hundred and three miles to the gallon. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then, and then after a couple, after a couple of months of this, they started taking gas out, <laughs> and it was driving the guy crazy. I'm getting like now, four and a half. It's, yeah, I now his, his his MPGs are going now just going down, and it's not stealing. You're just taking the gas back that you put in there. It was it was a great gag. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. That, that's that is that is genius level epic screwing with somebody. I, I just. Oh, the facial expressions that the oh, I'm just my overactive imagination. The neighbors had to million miles a minute. The neighbors had to keep a straight face because they knew what was going on, and this guy's happy. Impossible. He was so so happy. You know, he's on he's on cloud nine, and he only took him. You know, he's getting 600 miles to the gallon, and all of a sudden he's getting two. You know, so it was it was great. It was a great gimmick. It wasn't the main story. It was just kind of like a side story in the movie, but it was hilarious. What about Jerry? Jerry, have you ever come out and uh, seen the top of your Jeep slashed or, you know, tires slashed or something like that? Have you ever had uh, vandalism happen to you? Well, not vandalism. I, I have had the Jeep broken into and uh, the radio stolen. And, you know, uh, this is a number of years ago. So it was uh, CDs and stuff like that. But oh, yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's really the only thing except for the uh, my bozo Jeep friends doing pranks on me. <laughs> uh, we yeah, all I have think, uh, I, I was uh, in the Zoom audience on, for the uh, April Fool's Day episode, I think it was, something like that. But mm-hmm. we, we talked a little bit about uh, the fact that uh, one of those guys got together was another buddy of mine, and they painted my Jeep with some acrylic paint because uh, they thought blue was the color. I've got a copper, uh, you know, a bronze-colored Jeep. Oh, God, that's scary. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I still owe them for that, but. The uh, no, I've I've been lucky, you know, no no sliced tires, no you know damage to the top, nothing like that. You know, really the only damage is stuff that I do on the trail, not on the road. Right. <laughs> That's always one thing that I think any jeeper is afraid of is is coming out and seeing you know 
serious damage. I mean, tires are flat. Okay, you can replace a tire, um, and, and that's not a big deal. You know, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, tires can get expensive. Same things with tops. Tops, you know, you never want to see somebody slash your top and, and stole your stereo. But, you know, all that sort of stuff can be replaced. You come out and you see your Jeep, like, on fire, uh, you know, or you see somebody's taking a, you know, a sledgehammer to the doors or the hood or something like that. You know, I mean, that is serious damage that's going to take a long time to replace or fix, you know, and, and that's not something that anybody really wants to encounter and I hope not be a part of, uh, you know, at least as far as the, the, the delivery side of that goes. Um, Chip, have you ever been on one side of the fence or the other with this? Well, really, I no, not really. Um, I the closest thing to any vandalism, I probably it's not really vandalism. It was more of an accident. But my eighteen-year-old son had his girlfriend over, and she parked behind my Jeep in the driveway. I walked right by her car, didn't even think about it. Jumped in my Jeep, threw it in reverse. Next thing I know, my thirty-five-inch tires had crawled up on top of her or of her Honda. Oh. And that, it was a little awkward to come in the house and try to tell my son's girlfriend I just ran over your car with my jeep but <laughs> that was more stupidity than than vandalism although i really like greg's comments about i've always thought about taking out the valve stems when somebody has ticked me off in a parking lot or something it's just oh yeah there was an evil evil thought goes through my head now i've got these really nice tire deflators that would be so much easier just screw those on drop them so down much. to like 10 pounds yeah. of pressure <laughs> <laughs> but no i really i fortunately i've not had any vandalism what's really been great to me is when i go to jeep outings people leave their jeeps open you know you may be topless even and nobody's really messing with anybody's stuff there could be hundreds yeah. of jeeps there and and yeah. so that's what i really respect about the jeep audience no absolutely so I, 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 there's a there's a big summer show that i'm a part of each and every year it's been going on for god i think we're close to 10 years now and, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's anywhere from, you know, a couple hundred to 300 Jeeps on, on the lot at any one time. And, and they're all open, you know, uh, because people are showing off what they have inside. They're showing off what they have on the outside and everybody is checking it out. You've got people sticking their heads in and everything. Nobody has ever reported anything stolen or missing, you know? Uh, and, and so it's one of those things where, yeah, that's, it's part of the, part of the community. Everybody, you know, respects one another and, and stuff like that. So you're not going to see one Jeep owner really permanently screwing up, you know, the, the property of another Jeep owner. It's going to be, it's going to be in good fun. It's going to be a practical joke, that other, that sort of thing, unless they've got a really good reason. Isaac, what was your good reason for screwing up your friend's Jeep? I, I actually haven't ever. No, I, I know. I put um, you on the spot. I was, I was just messing with you there. I did have my ammo can get stolen that I had all my extra tools in. And then some spare light bulbs and fuses. That's never fun. <laughs> but they left me a little present too. So, I mean, they did leave me their knit, uh, they had a knit hat from Harry Potter that they've left. <laughs> no. they left Interesting. The okay. <laughs> oh no, nerd attack. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to think at that point, it had to have been some kids or, or something that uh, that had gotten into the Jeep, you know, one way or another and, and just sort of had their way with it. And uh, and yeah, you know, it's a uh, you know, crime of opportunity, probably, you know, something like that. Travis, what about you? I know you've had a number of Jeeps over the years and, uh, and you're the kind of guy who I would expect to be involved in some stuff and some nefarious activities at one point in your life. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. I, I've got two different stories, maybe three. Well, first, 
first incident I'm going to say was on me myself. 1995, I owned my Jeep. I bought mine in 93, and I was the accuser or the not the, the victim. I, I caused the issue. Um, I was a high school kid in 95, and I'm dating a college girl, and I'm driving by, and Good I honestly, you. and I've openly admitted to this now, and I've been doing everything in my life now to pay it back and do it again. I stole half doors or half metal doors. Um, I did it. Uh -huh. I caused vandalism. The, the guy was parked at his house. I'm like, I want those doors. I took them. And I've been <laughs> paying for that my entire life now. And I, and I give back. But, you know, in my age now, I openly admit to doing my wrongs and I'm paying back for it. Um, I drove that Jeep, that same Jeep that I still currently have posted up. The Zoom people can see it. Um, I drive that Jeep and I've still got those doors. I couldn't find the guy to give back or to return the what I'd taken away. Yeah. But my Jeep sat in a parking lot for three years, four years, five years um, because it eventually broke down and I didn't have money as a broke kid. I didn't have money to fix it, couldn't do anything. And it sat there for years and all of a sudden I get a phone call. Hey, your Jeep got broken into every single window in my jeep got knocked out the jeep oh, was unlocked wow. i gutted it from everything that was of value in the jeep other than itself and yeah. just kids yeah. came around knocked out every single window in my jeep and it was a hard job you know that's why i stole that's hard half metal yeah. doors. well no no I, I i deserve that and i and i never got mad i'm like ah the doors were locked if they're gonna steal something open the door you know everything was good but that was that scenario every window got knocked out um you know my dad dating that same girl that i was going into college area in high school would always get mad at me for not coming home and so i'm getting up to go to school the next morning and dad disconnected the spark plugs from the distributor and all of a sudden my <laughs> jeep wouldn't start i wouldn't do anything jeeps broke down i'm like I don't know what to do. I got to get to school and I was supposed to be home, but dad got me real good. You know, it's, it's life. Life goes in, in terms and circles. And I, I regret everything I did as a kid. And now as an adult, I'll openly admit to what I did and I pay back, you know, my charity events. I'm like, I'm just going to give back to the world and do everything good. But it's life. I've been there. I've done it. I've been a part of it and I've received it. So yeah. Don't steal doors. Well, a, wi a wise man once said, it's better to regret the things that you have done than to regret the things that you haven't done. And so even though that uh, maybe the, you've, you've done some things that were questionable, it sounds like, you know, you've tried to make amends and set things right. And uh, certainly karma has stepped in and, uh, and taken its pound of flesh as well. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, kind of what happens, uh, you know, with, with these sort of things. Uh, you know, it's uh, maybe, you know, you did some stuff uh different point in your life you're a different person back then and uh you know you're trying to make amends for it now and uh the universe has a way of of uh making recompense whether you've done it or not wendy have you ever been the jealous ex-girlfriend who uh goes ahead and takes a sledgehammer to the boyfriend's window oh wendy's, uh, yeah, have you ever done anything like that i can tell wendy's trouble Jeez. so yeah i'm definitely oh, yeah, not no, gonna admit it on air for liar. sure but <laughs> um nothing no i can admit never, on air yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to mention that. Um, 
No, I've never done that. And luckily, fortunately, not really been a victim. Our, our Jeep's fine. Um, when I had my Honda Prelude, speaking of Honda, uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, it was stolen and they stole the seats out of it, which is weird. Cost more to put in. See, they couldn't replace it with used seats. It was cheaper to put in brand new seats from the insurance than it was to find a used seat. So wow. whatever was happening in that year, but I did get it back. But that was the only thing that's ever happened to me. That's it. So I'm thankful there. Tony, what about you? Ever been a cause or a victim of vehicle vandalism? Uh, no, I had a CB stolen many, many, many years ago. Uh, but uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't a big thing. It really wasn't vandalism. It was just uh, something breaking in and stealing something, which which really is very irritating. You just want to beat the shit out of somebody. Uh, for yeah. not, not so much for the taking of it, but invading your private space. Yes, and it's yes. just uh, it's not something that people should do. Uh, but anyway, I uh, now I think I heard this third, fourth, or fifth hand. Um, there was uh, somebody working at a a, a golf gas station do you guys remember the gulf gas stations the orange uh, they weren't they were not not a not a chain that was up in my area okay so anyway it was a a, a golf uh, gas station full service mind you so uh there was and the owner like having these uh uh young adults like 17 18 years old uh, working there and uh late one night uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with the the oil racks kind of like in uh, the movie The Jerk that gets shot at and uh, Steve Martin goes, oh, they, he hates these oil cans. It's basically like a little uh, triangle thing where the oil cans sit. And in, inside oh, yeah. there, there is a little area where you can dump the oil or you know right. whatever what is left over. So every so often, that vat has to be emptied. Well, there was a truck available. And just right across the, the highway, I-10, there was a, uh, a nice long curve where you would come off the uh, off-ramp and then go into Highlands. And uh, somehow, the the vat got put on the back of the truck, and all that oil and transmission fluid and all that big, huge collection, probably five, six, seven, eight gallons, uh, got dumped on that curve. And then an hour or so later, standing out there waiting for customers, you see... Somebody, you know, every time you'd see somebody take that curve, you'd you'd wait and see what's going to happen. Well, this one uh, guy took the curve a little too fast, and you saw taillights, headlights, taillights, headlights, taillights, headlights. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> and then he comes to the gas station and says, "The guy was delivering papers. It was his dad's truck, and he was stuck. There was no damage to the truck, but he, he because there wasn't really anything there to hit, but." <laughs> he was stuck because he was he got stuck off road and it was just some kid driving his dad's truck and it just spun he goes i don't know what happened it just started spinning on me it's just it's weird <laughs> oh my god the aliens came down and they just did it <laughs> oh <laughs> oh no so I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a 1978 toyota pickup at one point in time and we had this torrential downpour and i was going up this extremely steep hill that has this corner at the top and and it, it's a it corner at the top and, and probably about another two or three hundred feet of road before there's an intersection. And, and there's never anybody at that intersection. And so I'm always screaming up that hill and um, right at that corner on the outside lane, um, it's, it's two lanes up, two lanes down. On the outside lane, uh, there's a manhole. 
And I'm usually on the inside lane because it, it, I've got a little bit of room to work and, and, and stuff. On the outside lane, I was, I was kind of forced into it. It was torrential downpour. And I hit that manhole. And suddenly, I'm looking forward out the driver's side window. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just like immediately. I mean, with a half a second, I'm sideways. And, and it, it must have been something similar to what that guy on the, on the corner with, uh, t- with Tony's, uh, t- Tony's oil corner, uh, you know, all of a sudden caught himself sideways. And, and suddenly flip, 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 flip. You know, thankfully, I kept all four tires on, on, the, on, the, on the pavement. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, you're going around a corner and, and you're expecting, you know, the vehicle to have a certain kind of attitude. And all of a sudden, within a half second, you're completely different. It's like, oh, I'm, I, I got to steer out of this window now. Okay. So I thought of something uh, just a few seconds ago when you, uh, and this is, this is definitely a timely reference. You, when you said manhole, Red Garvin, <sighs> male prostitute. <laughs> Remember that one? Not no, to be confused because with I was born after 1950. <laughs> 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 yeah, Saturday Night Live, the good years. <laughs> no, that was that was like heavy coke years back then. That was, <laughs> oh, that was the Bassomatic oh. and uh, several yeah, things that yeah. Ackroyd was doing at the time. It was hilarious. Well, I can't thank all of our listeners enough for chiming in on this week's Camp Fireside Chat, or Jeep Fireside Chat, in this case, as it were. Thank you for that one, Tony. Um, And we'd like to have each and every one of you listeners out there join us. You can, if you want to, uh, join in on the Zoom chat. Join the Zoom people. Each and every week, we have a different topic we would love for you to chime in on and uh, share your two cents and share your opinion with. It doesn't matter what it is. There is no wrong answers. Uh, Just uh, join in on the fun. Oh, and, uh, how you do that, Tony? How yeah, do you do that? Yeah, I was, I was going to mention because it's not here in the show notes. Don't forget, we now have a Jeep Talk Show newsletter, and it's That's critical. Right. Yeah, it's critical because I know some of you people had uh, some of you Zoom people had complained that you're not getting the the Facebook notifications timely. Oh. So we started up a newsletter, and I know newsletter spam, blah 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 blah. I don't like newsletters either. But if you're what having, what do you mean? I gotta read something now. <laughs> if if uh, if you if you'd like to have uh, prior notice about the and notices that you're gonna get about the Zoom meeting and just kind of a reminder and also too uh, maybe uh, uh, advance notice of giveaways, uh, maybe advance notice of guests. You can do all this on the newsletter. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com/newsletter and sign up with your email address, and boom, you're gonna get those notifications. And uh, right now, uh, it's just like once a week. And, uh, oh, and of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. So if it's too much for you, don't like the content, uh, just unsubscribe. Why are there pictures of Josh in there that I don't want to see? <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to go to the JeepTalkShow.com website to see the latest in events from around the nation and in your hometown. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to like and friend us on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Not going to do what everybody thinks I'm going to do. And freak out, man. I want to know who's coming with me. Yeah. Podcasting since 2010.